Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 42 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You can be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Fran Santos, who would like to officially nominate America Ninja Warrior to become a sport. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good? Yo, it's crazy you say that, because I've been watching America Ninja Warrior like crazy lately. Dudes are nuts. Out of this world. Some of that's crazy. Yeah, it's like the most pointless, like, two like two hours you can spend in your life. You're just watching these dudes over and over again. It, it's just endless entertainment. We're going to get into our show. We have a little bit of a, of a unique show here. We, we are going to focus on the Olympic team, but we're going to focus on specific players on the team or used to be on the team. So we're kind of going with uh, Carmelo Anthony is going to be the bulk of our show, and then we want to talk about James Harden, who obviously opted out of the Olympic team, and then uh, – we have our social media dime for the day. So let's start with the outlet pass. The first pass in any fast break, thus it's the first pass in our show. Andy, while LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade are banana boating together, the fourth compadre, Carmelo Anthony, is representing America in a record-setting fourth Olympic Games, where he's poised to break multiple records, including surpassing LeBron and MJ for points scored. We all saw the old head come out in Melo during the team's clean karaoke night, so what I guess the question that we want to lead off with is, what do we think of Carmelo as a leader? Because obviously I think people have said he is the face of this Olympic team. So what do we think of him as a leader in general? Is this something that can kind of spill over to his season with the Knicks? I mean, I think Carmelo is one of the – honestly, I, I've always thought of it as the exact opposite thing. He kind of just seemed like one of those players who wasn't ever really a leader. And that might have a little bit to do with – teams he's played on I don't really know that he really had an opportunity when you're a young player it's hard to be a leader so I think in Denver he was obviously their leader on the floor but it's hard it was hard to see him as is the locker room guy and then they had Iverson there and now he, he you know he came to the Knicks and there was guys like Phillips and Chandler and Amari Stoudemire were there and Melo's just never really taken that leadership role that we've really seen as fans and viewers but I, I wonder if it's just because the opportunity hasn't necessarily been there. And, you know, with a young player like Porzingis and this experience he's having on the Olympic team where he really is the old head. I mean, we saw the video of him just like, what are these guys singing? We don't do this. I mean, I'm from Baltimore. I don't know what we're singing chick songs for on the plane, but I, I do, I do see his leadership and, you know, we've always talked about how his skills uh, lend well to the international game anyways, and, and how Melo's often been, you know, one of the best players, one of the most impactful players in, in uh, interleague play like this. So I think that obviously helps. But, yeah, I do. I mean, it, it comes with the age. You kind of – I feel like Melo with this team now with the Knicks, he does have a great opportunity to play that mentor role, and he still gets buckets. That's – I think you brought up the, the best point at the end. It was really – for me, for Melo, it's really the age. And I, you made a couple of good points about really his days with the Denver Nuggets, you know, it's hard for any, like, this is a common problem for really any NBA rookie. Like, Ben Simmons is going to have this problem as well, even though he has a lot of younger guys that are, like, the core with him. But a lot of times, a guy like Melo is you're a really good player in college, and then you get drafted to this terrible team because the bad teams have the first pick. So now I think you see this actually more in the NFL, where, like, you get a quarterback that's picked with the first pick, and they're like, oh, well, why isn't he leading the team? Well, I don't know. He's got a bunch of terrible players. And you're asking him to, like, just take this team to the – 
promised land in the first year, and it's just unrealistic. So for Melo, I really think it is the aging process. I mean, he's been in the league 14 years now. So, you know, you're really seeing a guy that is maybe tired of what, you know, what's been going on in his career. I think we're going to get – my next question is more about Carl Anthony's legacy as a whole. But I think we really see a maturity, you know, whether it's speaking out on social issues, which is something that he's he started to do uh, – or really has, has always done, but started to do more in, in the spotlight and things like that. So once you mature – but the good thing for me, I think, specifically on the Knicks team, is even though I'm not a huge fan of the Knicks team that's been put together just because you have multiple guys with chronic health issues, you may never get them on on the court for a long enough period of time for them to build chemistry. I think the one thing they do have is leadership. I mean, you got you have Mello, and then you have Rose, who who is even for better or worse, Rose has always been like an emotional leader for his team. You know, people feed off of his energy, and you can really say the same thing from my man Joe Kim Noah. If, if nothing else, my man Joe Kim Noah. He's always been a hustler. So, like, he, he's the kind of guy that you can play from his on-the-court performance, Joe Kim Noah, you can kind of feed off of that. So, Melo doesn't really have to be that on-the-court, like, a little, let's go, let's go, why aren't we going? Because he has other guys on his team that are going to be able to do that for him, and maybe he can take more of a back role and be more of the uh, emotional leader, I, I guess, of the team, like, off the court, I mean, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, if you look at Carmelo as a whole, and this is his game since day one in the NBA, is he's never been like a crazy athlete. He had a good jump shot, but he's he's a very crafty player. And I feel like to be a crafty player, you have to you have to have an IQ. You, you typically don't see guys scoring the way because Melo can do a, a plethora of things. I mean, he can score with his back to the basket. He's a good rebounder. He's got that quick first step. These are all know-how things. And I, and I think it's hard to believe that a player, you know, a low IQ player could possess those types of weapons in their game. So to see that Melo has always had that does tell me that, you know, he's an intelligent dude. And I think he does have the capability of leading a team, but I think we've kind of unfairly, I don't know if everybody feels the same way as I do, but I've unfairly kind of just looked at him as a non-leader type player his whole career. And now that I really have sat down to think about it the last couple of days, it really does, you know, stack up to be a lot of that uh, falls on the fact that the teams he has played on, like we were just discussing, but I think this is a great opportunity. And these last few years of his career kind of, are probably what's going to make his legacy for him. I mean, he's got the point totals and all of that. And, you know, he's been on teams that have won games, but the last few years have been slow for Carmelo. And I think he has a really good opportunity to redeem himself as that mature leader now. So let's get into that because that, that really was my next question. Um, Brian Colangelo, who obviously is the GM of the U.S. Olympic team, was quoted in an AP article saying, I think um, Carmelo Anthony being a four-time Olympian, I think for his legacy, I think it speaks volumes. And I guess my overarching question is, what do we think is Carmelo Anthony's legacy? Because right now, for me, um, I think Melo's legacy is really, first off, I think it's tied to the Syracuse title that he won before he entered the league. Maybe that's just me living in upstate New York, but in these circles, like people still remember the title run with Melo as a freshman. So I think that will always be part of his leg. Some part of his legacy will be his his college career. I mean, really the college season. Um, but from there, I really do. I think it's scoring. Um, you know, people know Melo as a guy that can get buckets. And you know, if he doesn't really end up in an NBA Finals or doesn't really do anything of consequence in his last few seasons, he might end up 
it's like his legacy in, in the history books might end up like an Alex English or a Bernard King, a good to great player that could really score, but was never really taken seriously when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to championships and things like that. Well, I think part of that is something we talked about a while ago on the show. I don't remember how many weeks ago it was. I do remember you bringing it up. Uh, Mello was supposed to be the guy we saw battling LeBron. He was supposed to be, you know, the, the Larry Bird to LeBron's magic. These guys were supposed right. to fight each other. This is how we wanted to see it. And it just, and it didn't, you know, come to fruition. And that's probably not even necessarily Mello's fault. But you talk about the, the, Olympic, uh, the Olympic medals, the college championship. Mello was going to have 25,000 points when he finishes his career, which is a ton. So, you know, things like that. I mean, we, we look at, you know, he shoots a pretty decent percentage for his career. Just that massive points. I mean, he's already at 22,000 and some change. And I feel like with his game, he can play another five to seven years. So I do think that, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where he's going to be, when they have to vote for the Hall of Fame, I think Mello is going to be one of those borderline guys where it's hard to vote him in, but it's hard to vote him out. And, and it's, it's going to be a decision on the, the entire committee. Well, I definitely think Mello is going to be a Hall of Famer just because of his Olympic career. I mean, it, if you're, the one thing I hate about the basketball Hall of Fame is that it's, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's, it's the basketball yes. Hall of Fame. So it's everything that you've done. So even his college, you know, the one championship in college and the fact that he's going to be probably the leader in U.S. basketball for points scored and a whole bunch of other categories by the time this Olympics is done. I mean, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. But like you're saying, and, and I'm glad you brought, you brought it up because I was going to bring it up again, it really is. I think Melo's legacy is going to be tied to the fact that he never held up his end of the bargain as far as LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony was supposed to, like you're saying, supposed to be bird and magic. It was supposed to be how many – we were always expecting how many finals that were they going to see together or when were we going to see the LeBron James versus Carmelo Anthony finals. And I think the one season – is when AI got traded to Denver, those, those really those two seasons, I think he got traded pretty much towards the beginning of the season, I want to say in 2006. That season we, we were saying, oh, this might be the year. You know, maybe, you know, Melo doesn't have an excuse anymore. He's got AI, who might have been a little past his prime, to be fair, at the time. But, I mean, AI did have some good seasons in Denver as well. So let's not just completely shed Melo of all the blame. But, you know, those two seasons we were really expecting, and, and LeBron James held up his end of the bargain that year. That was the year that he made the finals, and then they lost to the Spurs. So that was the first the Cleveland Spurs finals. And then, but, you know, it, it just really never came to fruition. And, and I think when people think about Carmelo Anthony's legacy, I really think that that's what they're going to think about, especially if, if they don't make a final. If, this, if these Knicks teams don't make a finals, then I really think that that's going to be Melo's legacy, a scorer. Who, who really, you know, was a, I think over, I don't want to say disappointing, but he should have been more than he was, I, I think is, is what people will say as far as championships. And, and really, you're, you're going to compare him to LeBron, who always, who I mean, how many finals has LeBron made in a row? Six, five, six at this point. And then Melo would never make the finals. I think it's going to be, you know, that, I think that's going to be what Melo is. Yeah, and the, the six finals in a row. And, and the thing is, is the Knicks aren't making the finals. I mean, not now, not while Cleveland looks like Cleveland looks either. So I just, I don't know, and, and it's going to be tied down that way. But looking back at something that's interesting is Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson, in my mind now, and I know Heinz, like the worst combination like ever devised for two-star players. 
I mean, you're just two guys who are like volume scorers. I mean, it reminds me of something yeah. like a Melo and a James Harden right now. Like, I don't want to watch that. So, yeah, I, I my kid. Yeah, the, the funny thing about the Carmelo Allen Iverson thing is that it, it was funny to see. I mean, for one, I, I've always said this. Like, I think Allen Iverson has more influence over the league than probably anybody not named Michael Jordan. And I think you can even argue that, Mel- or that Iverson has more of an influence than Michael Jordan does on on players, on current players, and how they like on on the current league. Move. I agree with that. And it, it was funny because Carmelo Anthony was one of those guys that you could just see he was like an AI clone. And it was, you know, it was it was always yeah. a great visual to see like the smaller Iverson and the bigger Carmelo Anthony. But it was like Iverson was his big brother. You know, it, it, I always enjoyed their relationship <laughs> and like them on the court together because it really seemed like they had that that kind of relationship but yeah you're, you're right are you, it's not a good combo that's what are you saying are you calling carmelo paulie from big brother he's just stealing paul's <laughs> identity or ai's identity like the, the hair <laughs> I, I am <laughs> the headband that's, that's a good, uh, and by the way for anybody that watches big brother i don't even think cody exists anymore paulie is just so much a better player than cody was it's just ridiculous cody never existed on big brother uh, we're going to move on to another big player, um, James Harden, one of the guys that is not participating in the Olympics, has also been discussion over Max Kellerman's comments on first take that Harden isn't a quote-unquote great player. Um, what do we think of this assessment of James Harden? Because I understand it, but I'm not quite sure I agree with it. So so what, what, what was your take on this? I mean, you know where I stand on on James Harden, I think a lot of people who listen to this show or talk to me about basketball know where I stand on James Harden. So when Max Kellerman, who I happened to, to really enjoy listening to, I was happy when he got on first take, even though I don't really watch first take. I kind of do again now. At first, I was like, yeah, Max, get him. I mean, he's meaning to say. But at some point, I, it kind of lost me, man. And I really was thinking about it, and I think Kellerman's nuts. I mean, it's that's like one of the probably top five most foolish statements I've heard in like a year. I tried to be on his side with this because you know I don't like James Harden. I don't love even watch James Harden, but to call James Harden not, a, I think that's that's crazy. That's like the most insane comment I've ever heard. Maybe not an all-time great player, sure, but a great player like to me, there's probably ten to fifteen great players in the league right now, and it's tell me James Harden's not one of them. I mean, I've got to hear the list of guys ahead of him if that's the case. Uh, I mean, we can dip a little bit into the numbers. I know, Frank, you're like a, a big fan of win shares. Harden is like right. top three last year. Uh, he's top three in usage, minutes played. But, I mean, the guy, he does have a lot of holes in the game, I think, mainly on the defensive part. And I do think a lot of his assist numbers come from selfish play, if that makes any sense, to give guys the ball at the last second type things that, people used to accuse Rajon Rondo of, but all in all, you can't tell me there's 10 or 15 better players in the NBA right now than James Harden. And you can't argue with the numbers. And I tend to agree with Kevin Durant a little bit in saying that it's crazy that Harden was left off an all-star team. Now I understand the West is tough and only so many guys can, you know, do these things, but like, or off the all teams, but Harden is, is one of the top players we have in this league right now. And, you know, to be left off these lists, looking at his numbers, looking at his PER, looking at all this stuff, it is kind of crazy. And I think Kellerman was sipping the tea, and it was a little strong. Maybe he, you know, he had a little, a few too many bags in there, and it, it got a little out of control. He went on Facebook. 
So I have a couple of things. So I think as far as the all-NBA team, for me, that was – James Harden was a victim of really expectations. Because if you remember before the season started, everybody was really expecting the Houston Rockets to just kind of steamroll through the West. I mean, the, the expectations for the Warriors were, were pretty low. I didn't think people – obviously people did not think the Warriors would do what they were going to do. But people really thought there might be just some, like uh, – laziness oh you know we just wanted to, you know we just won the championship do we really want to do this again and people were really picking the houston rockets to be the one seed in the west or have 60 plus wins and then when they sort of had the season that they did it's hard to really backtrack and come back and say oh james harden is an all-nba player because if you're expecting a team to be great and then they're not even good you know the houston rockets were probably one of the most disappointing teams in the league last season so I think that's that's more of the reason that James Harden didn't make the team a, a, apart from his statistics, which I think statistically he probably did belong on the team. Now, the other thing is it really depends on what your definition of quote-unquote great is. So for Max Kellerman, you know, if you, his whole comment was really he considers great to be can you be the best player on a championship team. And if you can't, he doesn't consider you great. He also put Carmelo Anthony in that category, he said. So, in that aspect, I mean, I understand why he would, why you could make the argument maybe that James Harden can't be the best player on a championship team because of his defense. You're saying like a guy with that kind of defense, that kind of identity for your team, you can't be the best player on a championship team. I don't really agree with that because I think that James Harden can be the best player on a championship team because I think that when he wants to, he can try enough defensively that he can make his team a championship contender. But at the same time, I don't think it's as outlandish um, to say it in that context as opposed to the way you're saying it is, you know, if there's 10 to 15 great players, I don't think that there's 10 to 15 players that can be the best player on a championship team right now. I think that number is a lot less. And in that way, I think it's more of an argument that, that James Harden isn't great, though I'm not sure that I personally agree with it because I think that James Harden can be the best player on a championship team. Well, I think when Kellerman got to the point where he was saying, you know, I, I rate this on can you be the best player on a championship team, he was stuck too because then he even said, well, I think Harden can, but I think we need to see more. Like I didn't even – like he got to a point where I didn't understand Kellerman's argument anymore, and I think like he almost right. like talked himself out of it mid-argument because he was like, oh, wait, well, I do think he can be. So I, I just – it was a confusing statement. It almost a little bit to me seemed like Kellerman – was buying into the shock value a little too much at that point. I'm sure he went home and felt terrible about it. He was like, man, I'm an idiot today. Because I, I do think that we, we all think Harden could probably be the best player on the team. I, I mean, does it have to be the right team? Absolutely. Is Harden probably a little hard to play with? I'm sure. I hate his defense. We know, and I, it's, it's sickening to me that I'm defending James Harden so much right now because I really don't like him that much. But I, I do disagree. My my stance is, is opposite of that. Yeah, and I I would also like to say that I am also a fan of Max Kellerman, and I sort of agreed, you know, when he because he led off with James Harden isn't a great player, and then he explained what what he meant as as quote unquote great. And I'm just hoping that the hot take machine of first take doesn't really envelop him because I I am also a, a big Max Kellerman fan, but and we wish him all the best, obviously, on first take. I I, I watch first take more now than I have in the last four years, you know, with. Skip Bayless and, and Stephen A. Smith on it because of Max Kellerman. But 
you know, I, I, I see the argument. I just, I just don't personally agree with it. But I, I do understand that, like, there's not 10 to 15. To me, there's not 10 to 15 players that can be the best player on a championship team. So that number is a lot less. So if you're taking James Harden off of that list, that includes, let's just say, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook, probably right now. You know, I mean, if you're saying he's not in that league of those four guys, then, then yeah, sure, sure, I, I can, I can put James Harden on that, you know, that next level, you know, the guys that could be in that category but aren't really in that category right now. See, to me, that's more of the like the the smaller number. To me, would be more, you know, conducive of like the elite players in the league, which I don't necessarily think Harden is an elite player because I think to me the pool of elite players is smaller than the pool of players who I think could be the best player on a championship team. Because, you know, I think so you could throw on a that couple I didn't of include, though? What do you mean? Like, who would you put on that Four. list? That, like, who, that I think could be the best player on a team on a, to, yeah, that wins on a championship? championship team. Yeah. I mean, I think there's more I think there's more than just, you know, like your, your Curry. I mean, you name Curry, Durant. You name LeBron. And is, who and else did you name? Is that all you name? And Westbrook, you Westbrook. named those four. I mean, I, I do, I obviously, I mean, the first one I think I would put on there is I think, uh, I think Kawhi Leonard, I think Paul George, I think James Harden, I think all three of those players could be your best player on a, on a championship team. I mean, that's off the top of my head. Give me a few minutes, yeah, I might no, come up with I some more. Buy, but, I can buy those. I can buy those, too. Yeah, I mean, because it doesn't have right. to, they're, they don't have to be playing with some of the other guys we named. I mean, they don't have to be playing with, with Curry or Durant or LeBron. I mean, you could sell me a team with like say a Harden and you know a Paul George and another guy uh, just you know a little bit of a lesser star and I think you know I could say well, Harden's the best player on that team and that team could win a championship it's it's just sure I, I get where Kellerman's coming from I just I think it's a little it's a little bit of a reach to me I I understand your your rebuttal there so um, we're gonna move on to the social media dime a team that this is a team that I really don't know anything about. As, as far as their expectations for next season. Um, the Chicago Bulls have probably one of the weirder combinations of, of players that I've ever seen. So this is our social media dime. Uh, if you don't interact with us on social media, please do so. Follow us on Twitter at NLP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NLP Pod. We post things pretty much every single day, you know, different debates, things that we find, questions that we ask, and the one that you interact the most with is the one that we're going to bring on the show and sort of discuss our feelings uh, about it. So the social media dimes for this week was um, the Bulls starting lineup. Obviously, we have cemented spots for Rondo, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade. And then we're presuming that Robin Lopez is going to be the starting center. So we have one spot open, and the question that we presented is who should take that opening spot and the options that we gave were Taj Gibson or Bobby Portis. So what do you think about this, Andy? Do you, do you think that it should be the veteran Gibson, or should they, they kind of give Portis a shot to see what he's got there? Um, well, I mean, I feel like if I know Chicago's front office, and I don't, but judging what, by what they've done in the past, I feel like it's probably not going to be Taj Gibson because I don't think that guy <laughs> ever is going to get the <laughs> – ever going to get the shape he deserves there. But I, I do – Given the roster and what you think the roster is going to be, and I, I think it'll be very similar to that too, I almost feel like they need Bobby Portis to be the player. He's a little younger. 
He's a little bit more of a polished offensive player. I think he can score a little better than Taj. Taj is kind of like a bull in the china shop. Um, you know, I, he gets the hustle things. But I do think Taj for this kind of a team, if you're talking Wade, Butler, and Rondo on the court at the same time, and then Taj Gibson in the mix, I don't know who's hitting most of the jump shots on that team. I mean, Jimmy Butler, obviously, but it's still not a good look. I think Portis can stretch the floor a little better. Uh, he's obviously the younger guy. And it does have a bit to do with the fact that I really like Taj with this with this roster. I like him off the bench. Sorry, Taj. I mean, that seems to be your life at this point. I agree wholeheartedly in, in everything that you said, including the part that my man Taj Gibson has gotten the rawest deal maybe in the entire NBA as far as, like, not being able to start. Because Taj Gibson has, should have been a starter on the Bulls in about three years running now. But for some reason – you know, just when he thinks, like, he walks in, like, with his starting uniform on, then all of a sudden he just sees, like, the Bulls GM just, like, talking to Pau Gasol, seven foot tall. I was like, oh, oh, hey, Taj, uh, so about your starting spot, so this is Pau. He's, he's going to be here now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just always been a, just a bad deal for Taj Gibson, and I, I think it will keep going because I think, like you're saying, you do not have any shooting. That, and that's the weirdest part about this Bulls team. That's the reason why I can see them not making the playoffs or I can see them as, like, the two seed because I, I don't understand, like, I know Rondo's going to be able to put guys in good spots to get buckets like Bobby Portis, like Robin Lopez, I think, will really benefit from playing with Rondo. Um, Dwayne Wade obviously can really take over a game for you in, in late-game situations. And then Jimmy Butler sort of has that, a two-way thing going, so I, I can see anything happening with this team. Um, but I do agree that Bobby Portis, for his ability to stretch the floor, that's another reason why, even though he's kind of an overrated shooter, I can even see Nikola Mirotic being being the starter in, in this spot, and then both Gibson and Portis coming off the bench. So I can kind of see it going, going either way. I would lean towards Portis just because he's been so impressive, and I mean, Ever since he got drafted, he's, he's been impressive, and I think they really want to see what he's got and his ability to stretch the floor. I think my man Taj will find himself on the bench once again. Poor dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awful. So really quick, we, I want to get into, before we move on to the end of our show, I want to get into the Clay Thompson comment that, that's been trending on, on Twitter where he says, I won't have to sacrifice-ish uh, with Kevin Durant here. Um, really quick, what did you think of the comment? First of all, I love Clay Thompson. Um, everybody wants KD to be this villain so bad it could be your villain because this dude, it just comes naturally to him. I feel like when Kevin Durant's trying to act like the bad guy, it seems a little forced. But with Clay, it's just like yeah. his demeanor, his facial expressions, it's just funny to me. I think I think I feel like the same way you feel from what we were talking about. I think uh, people have blown this up. Obviously, Clay's not going to get the same production. He's not going to get the same amount of touches. But what he's saying here is he's going to be the same play. He's playing the same game. Still going to run around. He's going to run off screens. Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller type, uh, Ray Allen type. Uh, he moves extremely out the ball. So you know, I think Clay. I think I almost feel like Clay's game is going to be affected the least because of how he plays. His numbers are probably going to take a good hit, but nah, it's still going to be the same old right. Clay. It's Clay Day every day. Yeah, I mean, at first when we, when they like were talking about the comment, and I just saw like a little blurb out of like Russell Westbrook. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? But then I I thought about it, and, and I I came to the same conclusion as you. It's sort of 
he's not sacrificing. He might sacrifice stats, but he's not sacrificing his game. The way that they play, that where they don't really run a play, it's whoever has the open shot takes it, and Clay's still going to do that. So he's not sacrificing anything. That was his argument, I believe. So we're exactly. going to move on to the end of our yeah right. We're going to move on to the end of our show uh, every week, Andy. Uh, like Daisy once said, we don't believe you. You need more people, and every week somebody matches that mold. Um, I think it should be a unanimous decision this week, but I'm hoping that you, maybe you went with somebody different because I know absolutely who I went with. Andy, who needed more people this week in the NBA? I mean, I'm going to let you say the name, but we all know it's Clay Thompson's teammate. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're we're in agreement here. Uh, I went with Draymond Green. I'm not even explaining this one. All I know is I was innocently scrolling through Twitter, bored like I do five to ten times a day, and I just asked myself, oh, why is Draymond Green trending? And I clicked the button, worst click of my life, Draymond, yo, you need more people, uh, your family needs more people, everybody associated with you needs more people, Jay-Z would like a word. we don't believe you, you need more people. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it again. Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. That's that's enough. That's enough out of you. I don't even want to see you in the Olympics. Uh, That is the end of our show. Uh, Make sure to join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast. That's Zaynar Kristich, L like Larry Sanders, P like Pat Garrity. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/NLPPod. We will close, as we always do, with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. It's sometimes better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.